Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. Hello, everybody. Welcome into Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. My name is Brandon Adams. We have a very special broadcast for you here today. Obviously, in our program, we love Georgia football and we love college football, and we enjoy talking about that every single day. But something else about Dog Nation, we also love the great state of Georgia, which we live in, the high school football that takes place in this state each and every year. And it's a great time of year for those of us who do love high school football in Georgia because we've uh, we've reached the season kickoff and are uh, going to have a huge, great series of games taking place this weekend. The 30th annual Corky Kell Classic going to be starting on Wednesday night, rolling all the way through the weekend with games there at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And, of course, Dog Nation, proud to be a part of that. And we're actually with uh, the Corky Kell Classic today and our friends at Score Atlanta and everyone else who makes this possible for the Corky Kell Classic kickoff off luncheon, a chance to see some of the top players in the state of Georgia. The AJC Super 11 going to be on hand. Uh, coaches and players representing all the teams taking place at the uh, 30th annual Corky Kell Classic. They're going to be on hand here there as well. So what a day it is to celebrate the start of high school football in the state of Georgia. And I'll invite you if you're a, certainly a Georgia fan or just a fan of good football to tune in all throughout the weekend as some great games are taking place. Starting on uh, Wednesday night, you've got West Forsyth High School, obviously four-star tight end Oscar Delp, a big target of no for the Georgia Bulldogs. He'll be in action. You move through the uh, weekend there as well. When you start thinking about North Cobb coming up on Friday, Clearly a couple of UGA commits, Denalyn Morissette and uh, Marcus Groves-Killebrew, a part of that uh, North Cobb uh, program. You get a chance to see them. Then on Saturday, huge slate of games from Mercedes-Benz Stadium with programs all throughout the state. Hoover's coming over from Alabama. So big games. I'm lucky enough to be a part of it, calling some action on both Friday and Saturday. And, of course, all the action can be watched live on television on uh, Peachtree TV, streamed on CBS 46 as a part of the National High School Football Network there as well. That's going to be a great time. But, of course, you are here today for what's going to happen on Dog Nation Daily. We've got a great show coming up for you today as well. In a few minutes' time, we'll get a chance to hear from Connor Riley. We'll do a Kroger Fresh Take with him, and Connor's going to talk to him all about what we've been experiencing the last couple of days, unpacking everything that Kirby Smart had to say on the heels of the first summer scrimmage for Georgia on Saturday and the absence of Eric Gilbert, the guys who did play, the current state of the Georgia offensive line. We will get into a lot of that with Connor Riley coming up in a little bit, pretty much everything you need to know about where Georgia stands now as they continue to move through the preseason process ahead of the Clemson Tigers coming up on September 4th. We'll talk about that, including, by the way, Georgia coming in at number five yesterday in the Associated Press preseason poll. Dogs now ranked number five in both polls to start the upcoming season. But before that, though, do have a special treat. We don't normally start the show with an interview. That's not normally something we do. But the story behind all of this is actually somewhat interesting because on the show over the course of the last few days, there had been some chatter I had brought this up of when it comes to the so-called hype surrounding Georgia in the upcoming season. I had made the suggestion that I really haven't seen a lot of national voices, a lot of big-time college football personalities who have large follower counts on social media as a way of measuring that. I really hadn't seen very many 
well-known names picking Georgia to win the national championship. And as I mentioned on the show, I had a person reach out to me and say, well, B.A., you do need to know this, though. Peter Burns from the SEC Network, he has picked Georgia to win the national championship. But I like Peter. I'm a fan of his work. But somehow that had kind of slipped past me. I didn't realize that Peter had indeed made that prediction. So I thought it might be interesting to hear from Peter Burns today on why it is that he thinks that Georgia is going to win the national championship. This is actually an interview that I pre-recorded uh, just the other day. And Peter makes a very emphatic case. And Peter's actually surprised that maybe more voices from within the media didn't make that claim. Now, we, we should point out, since I recorded this with Peter in the preseason AP poll, Georgia did get a handful of votes at number one there. So there are at least other people putting their name to a prediction for Georgia to win the national championship. But in terms of prominent, well-known names, Peter's kind of on an island by himself on that, at least the best that we can tell. But he makes a strong case for why others should be there with him for Georgia when it comes to that. And I think you're going to really like this from Peter Burns Day. It's one of the stronger interviews I think we've done in some time here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. So I'll give you a chance to see that. At, hear Peter Burns make his case. We're live here from the Corky Kell Classic kickoff luncheon as the high school football campaign gets ready to begin for Georgia here in 2021. Quick reminder before we hear from Peter, though, this is Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And obviously, ESOG can really help you when it comes to foundation waterproofing issues with the tropical storms and whatnot moving through our state right now. Heavy rain, obviously, all over the place here today. And we're expected to get maybe three to five more inches over the course of the next 24 hours. And obviously, heavy rain rains around your house sometimes gives you reasons to pause, right? You see water intruding where it's not supposed to be, in the garage, in the crawl space, your basement. Uh, these are things that can be signs of a more serious problem. That's why you want to reach out to my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. They have two full-time engineers on staff, so if there's any kind of issue with the water that's creeping into your home or anything that threatens the structural integrity of your home when it comes to your foundation, Engineered Solutions of Georgia can help take care of all of that for you, and they can give you a solution to that problem. That's why they have solution in their name. And they're also proud partners of UGA, make some fun to do business with, longtime friends of ours here on Dog Nation Daily. So my hearty recommendation to you is to reach out to my friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Let them handle your foundation waterproofing issues. Very simple to get in touch with. Simply give them a call, 678-ESOG now. That's 678-ESOG now, and they'll take care of you when it comes to your foundation waterproofing issue. So you see Peter Burns on the SEC Network all the time. You know his voice. You know his personality. And you're about to hear him make a strong case for why he thinks Georgia ought to be the uh, number one team in the country here for 2021, the national champions by the end of the year. Peter Burns from the SEC Network here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by ESOG. And here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, there's a little bit of a story behind our guest here. First of all, Peter Burns, we're a fan of his in the SEC Network, so it'd always be good to have him on. But this also serves a purpose in that on the show a couple of times, we brought up the fact that we really haven't seen, you know, well-known media types, big followings, picking Georgia to win the national championship. And someone did say, oh, no, B.A., you got to make sure you know this. Peter Burns from the SEC Network, he has picked Georgia win the national championship and i had missed that so i wanted to bring peter on the show to talk about that a little bit more and he was good enough to spend some time with us so peter first of all thanks for being with us here today and i uh, hope you're doing well man you know what I, i'm i'm alive i'm talking football and my two kids under four years old have not uh it's you know, drove me to the crazy bin yet. So uh, uh, happy to say it. But I'm, I am shocked, Brandon. You're talking about that. Like, how in the hell am I the only person that sees what's developing in Athens over the last couple of years and not think 
that this team is the best team in the country. Like this was shocking to me, you know, when you reached out and, and I heard that. I mean, I, I don't know if people are so just, you know, laser focused on 1980, but who the hell cares about if it's been one year, you know, six years or 60 years? Like the team is the team, and I'm, I'm shocked. And hell, I was shocked they came in at fifth in that in the USA Today Coaches Bowl. Well, let's kind of see if we can work our way through that for a moment. First of all, you know, obviously a lot of the audience that listening to us right now, they have their own case they could make for why George wins the national championship. But specifically from someone who's kind of from 10,000 feet above, kind of outside our bubble here at Dog Nation, what is, in your mind, the simplest argument for why 2021 is the year that Georgia gets over the hump? Well, I mean, I think now we've seen it in 2019 and 2020. It's about quarterback play, right? I mean, it used to be if you wanted to win in three yards in a cloud of dust, that was the way college football for the longest time, especially in the SEC, was built. And that's how, you know, Kirby's kind of built his teams, being able to run the rock really well and play good, solid defense. But, you know, with, with what we saw with JT Daniels, and more importantly, how Todd Munkin kind of called the offense for the last couple of games of the season – I looked at it and go, like, this is that, this was that missing piece. Like, LSU, I'm born and raised in Baton Rouge. For the longest time, the missing piece was how do you have an offensive coordinator match with a quarterback that can, that can, that has a little swagger and some talent? Well, all of a sudden, you got that in Joe Brady and, in Joe Burrow. And I look at it and the fact of seeing Todd Munkin and JT Daniels win games in multiple different ways being dominant. Combined with a good defense, I go, I'm not quite sure who else has that. Alabama doesn't have that connection right now. Like, even, you know, Clemson might have it to a certain extent. They don't know who the quarterback's going to be at Ohio State. And I'm like, this is as sure of a thing as I see around the sport of college football. So let me play devil's advocate for a moment, because obviously, you know, the people who are watching and listening to us want what you say to be true. But just to kind of further the conversation (laughs) for a moment. Does it scare you at all that you mentioned the coaches poll? You know, the last three years, Georgia's actually finished the season ranked worse at the end of the year than they started the year at the coaches poll. And for some people, especially whether it be, you know, non-Georgia fans or media members that don't have a connection to UGA, there's going to be a little bit of talk of, oh, there's been some unrequited hype. There's been some some talk up of Georgia. Now's the time. This is the year. And it's ended up not being true, not over the course of the last couple of decades, but the last three years in the Kirby Smart era. Does that give someone like you pause at all? No. I mean, because, you know, every single year is different, right? Like, we love to have these lazy narratives in sports. And because it's easy for people who don't know what they're talking about to get involved in it and go, oh, yeah, well, they haven't won anything since the 80s. How many times have we heard this? Well, all right, well, let's take a look at it. How many, you know, how many guys have had the success that Kirby has had since getting there? Like, I, I think I looked it up over the offseason, and since Kirby took over in Athens, right, there's been a total of 221 or 222 college football coaches in FBS, right? Mm-hmm, right. How many of them have played for a national championship, won a conference championship, and, and won a majority of their games? There's only three. There's Nick Saban, Dabo Sweeney, and Kirby. Wow. And so, you know, this whole lazy narrative of like, all right, well, yeah, he's not that great of a coach. Who, who's who's better right, right now other than Saban of recruiting and, and being there? And, and again, I, I think the injury situation and, and all of a sudden not having – um, you know, you know, not the quarterback situation just being a disaster. Um, when Jamie Newman decided that he was going to opt out, all of a sudden that 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 doesn't play into those polls because remember we thought, in fact, that at some point 
around this time last year before he had opted out, we, there were talks about Newman being a Heisman Trophy contender, right? So yeah. had he started the season, had you had a full fall camp and spring camp that they couldn't have because of COVID, that, that, the narrative is completely different last year. And, and so, I, again, I, I think it's just lazy for people to say this team is not one of the best or Kirby can't coach. It's just they don't know what the hell they're talking about because this team is ripe, ready. And I, every year when we go down to SEC media days, the story that you hear and I always come out with is not what the guys said at the podium. It's how they interact with us behind the scenes, you know, because, you know, we're there for ESPN and SEC Network doing sure. a lot of kind of photo shoots and videos. And each year, Kirby's come in kind of tight, to be honest with you. He's just like laser focused. I'm going to be this, this, and this. He comes in uh, last, you know, last couple of weeks ago. And he knows that I'm a big golfer. And the first thing he comes up, he like finds his way over to me and he goes, where'd you play like? Hmm. And then he starts showing me videos of places. And I'm like, this is not the Kirby Smart that I've seen before where he was kind of, oh, well, this is media days and I got to do this. I was like, this is, this is the attitude of a guy that knows this team is pretty damn good. He doesn't really have that many tough questions to answer. And he's, you know, chomping at the bit. And that tells me a lot more about the success he thinks this team can have versus anything else well that's a great story peter i'm glad you told it let me finish with this and just kind of broaden things out for a moment you touched on this and i think this is so important for georgia that you do have jt daniels coming back as an experienced starting quarterback not a full year at uga last year because of the health but four games in the same offense he's going to be playing in to go along with a year starting there at usc there as well and when you compare that to Alabama that has a new starting quarterback, or if you want to look at playoff contenders like Ohio State, which is going to have a new starting quarterback post-Justin Fields, DJ Uyunglele hasn't played a full season yet either, that there is a level of experience that Georgia seems to have offensively. Knowing that's been the Achilles heel for this program, there's a level of experience that Georgia seems to have offensively right now in comparison to other playoff contenders, including the bully of the SEC, Alabama. That just certainly seems like it's got to be Georgia's opportunity to exploit. If it's going to happen, that seems to be the story of how it happens, and it sounds like you kind of agree. Well, yeah, you sure as hell don't want to have to, you know, not answer the belt this year and then think, all right, well, next year Bryce Young's got another year underneath his belt, right, and Alabama does extremely well. Or all of a sudden LSU uh, with – Max, um, you know, uh, Max Johnson, all of a sudden he gets another year underneath his belt. I mean, you look at this and go, this is the year. These, uh, this is why you recruited your ass off back in 2017, 2018, 2019. So you continue to build this. So, hey, listen, is, if there is an issue with, you know, George Pickens going down, can other guys step up? And listen, I mean, the way things are rolling in Athens right now, you look at it with two signing days and now the transfer portal being open and, and especially immediate eligibility, Kirby doesn't have to recruit. He can select the guys that he needs. And I mean, you know, look at the, the defensive back that he just got, um, you know, Tyke from, uh, from West Virginia. Sure. Like that's, that's a, that's a perfect example of saying, listen, we lost a bunch of guys, but now instead of hoping a freshman steps up, I already got a guy that's played pretty high level. He's going to fit my program plug and play. So you should not have these gaps that have hurt them in the past. So, again, anybody that doesn't think Georgia is the front runner for the national championship, is, is it's baffling to me. I tell you what, Peter, before we let you go, uh, let me remind folks that SEC now doing great stuff, getting ready for the college football season, and you got a lot of other things going on there as well. If people want to find you online, find you on TV, take advantage of some of the coverage you're providing for the league, how can they get more Peter Burns in their life? 
Yeah, I mean, no one's ever said that, that they want more of, of Peter Burns in their life. But it, it, it's just in case, if you want you want bad opinions on Twitter, they're mine, at Peter Burns ESPN, and that's my Instagram and Facebook. And, and you know, the thing that's cool is I do a, a morning radio show with Chris Doring, the former Florida great, every morning, Monday through Friday on Sirius XM. And the show's grown so much that we're really lucky this season it'll be simulcast like the Feinbaum show on SEC Network on Mondays and Fridays. Fine. So. Um, you know that that's that's a cool thing. We did it during media days, and it took off. And uh, again, can't wait to talk about it. And and again, my my little sister who played golf at LSU just married a Georgia grad. Okay. There's a lot more of that uh, that that bulldog blood in our family now. So I'm I'm forced to watch it. And um, <laughs> you know, and I will say this closing real quick. He got upset with me because I said that they were gonna the dogs were gonna win the national title this year. And I told him. You got to get that attitude out. Like Alabama <laughs> fans don't wake up in the morning thinking that, oh, well, there's too much pressure, or you know, stop jinxing us. Like that, that has to stop right now. No, I think that's a great way to uh, sum it all up for what Georgia has on the table for the upcoming season. Peter, we appreciate your time. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to speak to you soon, and certainly enjoy these final days of summer before the uh, season actually begins. It's essentially here, and I think you're just like the rest of us. We can't wait for it. Oh, chomping at the bit. B.A., we appreciate the, uh, the invite, man. Let's do it during the season. Sounds great, Peter. Thanks for your time. All right, good stuff there from Peter Burns of the SEC Network here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Got more good stuff coming up with Connor Riley in just a moment. For now, though, I want to roll into Around the Doghouse, presented today by Georgia's own credit union. And, you know, obviously it's interesting to hear Peter make the case for Georgia winning the national championship. And, you know, Peter's opinion certainly uh, interesting. One, maybe not all that different than some of the opinions of folks who may be listening or watching us right now. However, there is one aspect of that interview that kind of stood out to me more than the rest. I wanted to spend some time on that as we're around the doghouse here right now, presented by Georgia's own credit union today. And that's the fact that Peter, as a host for the SEC Network, gets a chance to spend some private time with Kirby Smart at SEC Media Days and that kind of pre-interview chatter that goes on where you're just doing small talk, getting ready to get mic'd up and be on camera and doing all the things that goes down there. It was very interesting to hear from Peter Burns the calm nature that he saw from Smart, the relaxed nature. And listen, most of us only know Kirby from what we see on a video screen, right? You know, he's always, if we're in the stadium, several, you know, a couple hundred yards away from us or separated by, uh, you know, a video screen. He's a person that almost lives inside of our TV. You know, someone like Peter gets more chance to interact with him in a face-to-face, one-on-one basis than most of the people watching, listening right now. And so what Peter says is, is the, the persona that you see on TV is actually pretty true behind the scenes there as well. Smart is typically very buttoned up. Smart is typically always very professional, of course but also pretty intense you know the the engine kind of runs in the red a little bit and it's interesting to hear peter say however this year at sec media days the smart that he found was one that was a little more relaxed talking to him about where he played golf this summer and just generally speaking more willing to have a casual conversation and i would say that that description from Peter Burns does match up fairly well with some of the stuff that we also heard you know, from Smart when he would speak during the spring and summer, that he was seemingly comfortable with JT Daniels and seemingly comfortable with how things were setting up for his team this year, especially after the weirdness of 2020 when there was no spring practice and the pandemic just impacted everything. I think you saw from Smart over the course of this calendar year that when he's spoken about his team, he's had an optimism 
that the preparations for the season were at least going to be more normal, and the end results then would kind of take care of themselves on that. So interesting to hear Peter Burns say, when I saw Kirby Smart in July, I saw a guy who was pretty relaxed. Now, the obvious response from some Georgia fans, that is, well, okay, that's one thing to be relaxed in July, but what about everything that's happened since then? What about the departure of Scott Cochran and the promotion of Will Muschamp? What about the current absence of Eric Gilbert and the distraction that has the potential to create for the Georgia program with so much media and fans, both inside and outside the bubble of Dog Nation, talking more about that? How does the relaxed attitude that Smart put on display in July get changed by the fact that his team is dealing with some unwelcome distractions here so far in the month of August? You know, I would suggest that, that obviously I don't know, neither do you, but I would suggest that, you know, the idea that whatever has gone on with Gilbert, that's a story that's still unfolding right now, and whatever has gone on with Cochran, we've had a little bit more closure on that because we know that Will Muschamp is in his place. Those are not the kinds of things that I think has the potential to derail a season. In the case of Cochran, that's a special teams coach. And, you know, frankly, you know, you've, as Smart talked about this weekend, you've got special teams responsibilities easily divided amongst the rest of the staff in normal situations anyway, even when you have a special teams coordinator. And as Greg McElroy, the former Alabama quarterback and the ESPN analyst said that, Losing a special teams coordinator was not the same thing as losing an offensive or defensive coordinator. I would suggest that while Scott Cochran, Scott Cochran, I'm certain, was a beloved member and is a beloved member of the Georgia coaching staff by the players to play for the team, the idea that that his departure is going to get them off their pregame preparations, for the most part, I have to assume that's probably not true. In the case of Gilbert, maybe that's a little bit different because we're in the midst of that right now. Obviously, these Georgia players you know, know him and are rooting for him to feel better again and you know, feel like he's ready to come back to football again. Obviously, they're thinking about him. But, you know, these are players that also are thinking about their own personal ambitions as well, their own goals for this upcoming season. And football, maybe more so than any other sport, is a sport where the mind is kind of trained to to really, you know, rally around and rely on the other guys who are out there, the 11 that are on the field in any given moment. You know, you know, next man up can unfortunately be sometimes a little bit of a, of, of a harsh reality in football, but it is also the kind of way to frame your thought as you get ready to move on to the upcoming season. So obviously Georgia coaches and players hope they're doing that with Gilbert again very soon. They very, they very well might be, uh, and it could be sooner rather than later. And you certainly hope that's the case, but, but while that's not true and while we're still living with the unknown of all of that, I wouldn't be too quick to assume that the unknown of that situation creates all that big of a distraction for UGA. And if we had a chance to revisit the conversation between Peter Burns and Kirby Smart that Burns said Kirby was very relaxed for and seemingly comfortable and and optimistic and enthusiastic about the upcoming season, I wouldn't be so quick to assume that Smart's mood has necessarily changed all that much, despite what has happened with Cochran and what's ongoing right now with Eric Gilbert. Uh, It's Around the Doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union. Obviously, Georgia's Own Credit Union They've got a great thing you can take advantage of right now when it comes to the Georgia's own signature and uh, uh, platinum uh, card. Oh, great, great features and benefits when you get one of these uh, signature platinum cards. Uh, um, uh, you've got contactless payments, which makes uh, paying your bills very, very convenient. Uh, you've also got all kinds of uh, cash back and gift cards, travel incentives, merchandise. You can pick that up. Plus, uh, as an extra added value, that when you sign up, you're going to get up to $150 when you open a new platinum or signature card. So, great chance to 
take advantage of that from our friends at georgiazone.org. Make sure you check out the website today. That's georgiazone.org, georgiazone.org. Let me also say this really quickly before we go into our conversation with Connor Riley coming up in just a moment. A lot of you noticed the fact that I'm dressed a little different today than I'm normally dressed for one of our shows. Uh, we're here at the uh, Corky Kell Classic kickoff luncheon, 30th annual Corky Kell Classic, starting on Wednesday and really going throughout the weekend, culminating with a series of five games set to take place at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on Saturday. I'm lucky enough to be a part of the action for some of those games here this weekend and all season long with our friends at Score Atlanta and Peachtree TV, of course, streaming on CBS46.com there as well. And listen, we're out here today with some of the top players in the state, some of the top coaches in the state, so everybody getting dressed up for the excitement and the fun that is the start of the football season but i appreciate you notice the fact that i'm going tie and jacket today and trying to class up the joint a little bit here on dog nation daily uh presented by engineered solutions of georgia but either way no matter how you're dressed we're just really glad to have you as a part of the show here today and for more on gilbert kind of where things stand with that right now and everything else that has been ongoing the aftermath of the scrimmage for georgia on saturday and what kirby smart had to say when that was done as a part of his press conference to break it all down let's find Find out the current state of the dogs here a couple of weeks out from Georgia Clemson coming up on September 4th. Let's do a Kroger fresh take with our, butter, uh, with our buddy Connor Riley as he's uh, back in our Atlanta studios and I'm live here at the 30th annual Corky Kell Classic kickoff luncheon. Good to have you with us on Dog Nation Daily presented by ESOG. Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. Time for Kroger Fresh Take with our buddy Connor Riley. Of course, we're recording this because we're doing the show live today from the Corky Kale Lunch and kicking off the 2021 high school football season here in the state of Georgia, which is such a fun thing to be a part of. But while we're doing that, there are also big news persisting for Georgia as it prepares for its own version of the 2021 season. With more on that, let's talk to Connor Riley right now. Connor, let me begin with this. You know, for all the talk that's gone on with Georgia the last couple of days, this is still a team that starts preseason number five in both the coaches poll and the AP poll, which came out on Monday. I also want to give you a couple of stats on this. That Georgia, and this comes from our buddy Brett McMurphy, who says that every national champion oh, ranked among AP preseason polls top seven, except Auburn in 2010 and then Florida State in 2013. This goes back to 2004, that all but two – of the uh, number one teams at the end of the year were ranked in the top seven to begin the preseason AP poll. So Georgia really in a short group that includes Alabama, Oklahoma, Clemson, Ohio State, Texas and Iowa State as teams that have a chance to win this year's national championship. The other thing that McMurphy points out is that uh, when it comes to the past 17 years, only two preseason number ones have actually won the national championship. So the top seven teams typically produce a national champion, and it's frequently not the number one team in the country. Maybe more argument and more evidence for the fact that Georgia sitting at preseason number five actually starts the year in a pretty good spot, no matter how much we may hand-wring over the individual issues this team happens to be facing. Yeah, I still think you'd rather be Georgia than Texas A&M right now. You'd still, personally speaking, I think you'd rather be Georgia than even an Ohio State team that they're ranked ahead of. Mm-hmm. You know, I know Clemson has their own issues that they're trying to sort out and figure out as well. You know, sure, Saturday did not go great for a number of reasons. I would point out Georgia's two best receivers at this point in time did not participate in that game. But if they were playing Clemson, I believe that they would have. And mm-hmm. so, while yes, Saturday was not great. I don't believe one bad practice or one bad scrimmage should cloud the judgment that you still have and you still feel about this team 
come the end of what we think will be the end of the season. Plus, it's a little bit difficult to ascertain how, you know, you to use the air quotes here, bad it really was in comparison to a Clemson team that had its own scrimmage on Saturday that generated some headlines. Apparently, the offensive line struggled maybe a little bit there for the Tigers. And even for the people who were lucky enough to get a chance to attend a scrimmage like that, there's still a lost context for unless you're watching Georgia practice the entirety of the season it's very difficult to know if what you saw is in keeping with what has been going on or total outlier in comparison to what's been going on the rest of the practices Kirby Smart's own words do give a little bit of voice to the idea that it maybe not have been you know a great day for Georgia on the offensive side of the ball in particular but sometimes knowing how to put all that in context is not always the easiest thing to do lucky might not be the word I would use uh, for those individuals who are fortunate enough to watch that Georgia practice it'd be maybe another word I would use but I think the big thing with this is, you know, this is a this is something where people with eyes, people that talk to other people, got real eyes on. It was a real data point of us getting to some of us getting to see the Georgia football team practice and perform. And it's really the first time that anyone outside of that Georgia football building can say that. And mm-hmm. so it there is just a total lack of knowledge compared using that data point compared to everything else. So, you know, for example, it could have been a great day and it, they're great, might not be that good, or it could have just been one-off practice that just happened to have a lot of eyeballs on. I actually think this is an example uh, of crowding things and clouding things in secrecy and, yeah. and trying to control the flow of information. I think hurts this team a little bit because when there is something like this, you do have donors and boosters there who are watching and have opinions on this kind of stuff. Because there's not another data point to reference it to. It sort of makes this individual one-off practice look maybe worse than it actually was. But it kind of reminds me of the thing you see in movies sometimes, and sometimes it's a man that does this and sometimes it's a woman, but you have good-looking people who turn themselves into something ugly in the hopes of winning an Academy Award. That's kind of a a thing that happens in movies all the time. You know, good-looking actor, good-looking actress says, I'm going to pretend to be ugly in the hopes of playing a character that might win me an Academy Award. But if a good-looking movie star is made to be ugly, you can still tell they're good-looking, right? Because you just can't hide hot. Hot just kind of, you know, shows up no matter what. I would say the same thing is somewhat true for Georgia football and true for all areas of life. Success leaves clues. And the fact that we're left to debate on the basis of what some people are saying, well, Georgia may have struggled offensively in its first scrimmage because they're not going to show anything in front of donors anyway, knowing they have Clemson coming up in two weeks, or as other people are saying, Smart included, uh, the offense wasn't perfect because Kyrus Jackson and, and Jermaine Burton were not playing. Like Those excuses alone, I don't believe, should be enough to totally derail an offense, ground an offense, that we've spent most of this calendar year talking about being way better, led by Todd Munkin and JT Daniels, way better than previous Georgia offenses have been. If any of the things we've been saying over the course of the past few months are going to end up being true then the the absence of an eric gilbert the absence of a Kyrus jackson the absence of a jermaine burton alone should not be enough to to derail that and even if you do try to keep things somewhat vanilla because you've got some boosters in the stands it still ought to look pretty good because you can't hide hot so i'm going to take your hiding hot metaphor even further georgia's offense it was kind of like the scene in the martian matt damon movie i love it one of my favorites where so he he is trapped stranded on Mars and he has to farm his way and survive until the NASA right. astronauts can can get, can get can come get him. So he's making a lot of potatoes, and unfortunately, at a certain point, he runs out of ketchup. Yeah, and so you're just eating potato after potato after potato, and it just no longer tastes good, and it's incredibly vanilla. Kyrus Jackson and Jermaine Burton, in my opinion, 
are the ketchup in this situation. Mm-hmm. Georgia just had to have the most vanilla, most basic. We didn't have the wide receivers that we needed to. That I think college football straight up has, has shown you in recent years. If you want to win at the highest levels, you need very good wide receivers. And so Georgia just didn't have that on Saturday. Now you can, I think, very fairly point out that, wait a minute, Georgia should have more than two capable quality wide receivers because there's a chance over the course of the season Kyrus Jackson and Jermaine Burton get hurt and pick up injuries and if those are the only two guys you can really rely on right now long term you might be in some trouble now there's still time for guys like Marcus Rosemey Jack Saint Arian Smith Justin Robinson to develop you know who knows how the rehab process is going for George Pickens and Dominic Blaylock as far as they try mm-hmm. to get back onto the field and then obviously the Elite Gilbert question sort of hangs over everything but having said all that I think if Todd Munkin is going to get creative, which I believe he will be, why not go with a lot of like 22 personnel? And I know that's a very yeah. football-heavy term, but go with, you know, you have two tight ends and you have two running backs on the field. Because that's clear where I believe Georgia has strengths on this offense at those positions. It might look a little funky. It might not look like the five-wide, empty backfield that LSU so often like to sport in that 2019 season. But I think there's still talent here, maybe not necessarily at the wide receiver position at the moment. But if Georgia can engineer it to fit its talent, Georgia's offense can still do what it can do. Yeah, I think you're exactly right about that. I mean, per capita, the running back position, the tight end position for Georgia are deeper than the wide receiver position, which is not to say that Georgia doesn't have potentially future stars among that wide receiver group. But I think that there are reasons to feel like tight end and running back just have a little more obvious depth right now. So the more formations you can run – with running backs and tight ends, multiples of those on the field, I think the better chance you have to have an explosive offense, which doesn't mean that you need to be three yards in a cloud of dust running in between those extra tight ends and with those extra backs in the field, but throwing out of those sequences, throwing out of those formations, just taking your most talented players, some of which are tight ends and running backs, and making sure they're on the field a lot and just giving opposing defenses a lot more to have to think about. We haven't seen it yet, but In theory, you could build an offense that averages 40 points a game, 45 points a game, the number that we have seen Georgia or or teams that win a national title in recent years hit. You could do it with running backs and not necessarily do the the pound and pound and pound three yards cloud of dust sort of thing. They almost did it in 2017, 2018. Right, and I would, would, you know, while I actually think this Georgia running back room might be deeper than that running back room was in 2017. And in terms of high-end talent that can be achieved in this season – it might be a little bit better than what Georgia had in 2017 when it had Nick Chubb and it had Sony Michelle and it had you know DeAndre Swift as a freshman. I, I believe there's a ton of talent between Zamir White, James Cook, Kendall, Man- Kendall Milton, and Kenny McIntosh that, again, it's going to look different and it's going to have to but because of necessity, unfortunately. But I think Georgia's running back could be real difference makers in both the run game and the passing game to get this Georgia offense where it needs to be. I think it's a really good point. Let me, speaking of at least a former tight end, Eric Gilbert, not seen on Saturday. Smart describing the personal issue that's keeping Gilbert away from football right now. We don't know when he's coming back. Obviously, a lot of this shrouded in secrecy. There have been you know, critics of UGA jumping in to give a hot take on this. There have been a lot of Georgia fans who I think just in a very – honest way have been confused about what's going on what do you make of the Eric Gilbert situation right now Connor this is and again I am as guilty as anyone of this Eric Gilbert is a content goldmine and I'm going to take you super inside baseball on on some of this stuff because I believe I I think it helps somewhat explain the Eric Gilbert situation 
People love to ask about Arik Gilbert. People love to read about Arik Gilbert. He is one of the most fascinating players that we have seen come through both the recruiting cycle and now into the college football realm in recent memory. He is incredibly gifted. He was, again, he is the highest ranked tight end prospect in the modern history of recruiting rankings. And there is so much potential there with him that there just naturally leads to a fascination there. And I imagine Arik Gilbert feels some of that pressure and fascination and that, as JT Daniels, as Kirby Smart, as so many people have said, can lead to very adverse impacts on your mental health. And this is something that clearly Arik is going through and good good on him for like saying, hey, I need to take a step back here because as, what, a 19, 20-year-old, this can still be a lot. And so, you know, it, it's unfortunate that it is, in my opinion, this curiosity because he's a 19, 20-year-old kid who's like trying to figure out who he is as a person, develop as a football player, because he's been told for years now he's he he's a no doubt about it NFL player and so to try and live up to those standards all the time because yeah. he came in and they thought Georgia Georgia national championship eyes just went through the roof and to have to live with those expectations all the time I understand how it can become difficult, and when you have a media that is constantly writing about you, that is constantly asking questions about you, when you have fans out there that are constantly reading and constantly asking questions, it can become a lot. And so I hope Arik is able to find the piece that he needs to, to one day contribute, and I hope you know, just as a football fan in general that we get to see him one day do that, whether that's a Georgia uniform or wherever. But right now, I hope Arik finds his peace from an Arik Gilbert aspect. And what, what frustrates me is is some of the stuff we've seen over the course of the last few months, I think really borders on the idea of just trashing Gilbert, trashing yeah. him for a number in a number of ways. And what's funny is if Gilbert was what we think of as a public figure, some of the stuff that's been said about Gilbert would be just fundamentally unfair character concerns you know debating his academic credentials that kind of stuff if it's just a regular person you know you'd kind of veer in the direction of almost like slander and libel type stuff if it wasn't a public figure but we think of gilbert as a public figure but gilbert himself does almost nothing to cultivate his status as a public figure he simply wants to be a football player but because football players get so much attention now it's somehow okay to say whatever you want about eric gilbert and question him for any number of ways in some cases, I would think that some people have even made up things about you know Gilbert um, to make him you know sound like a bad guy when there is no on the record tangible proof that any of this is true. There have been a lot of people when talking about Eric have noted that he is a quiet individual. He mm-hmm. does not speak often. He it keeps to himself a lot. And when you have someone that is the content mill that he is something is going to fill that void. Someone is going to talk about Eric. Something is going to talk about Eric even though he very clearly has no no concern about maybe trying to control the messaging about himself. And so because of that, I think, unfortunately, we've seen it be filled up with a lot of toxicity and a lot of negativity. You know, the people saying the character concerns, the question concerns, show me the arrest report. Show me the poor comments that he has made. You, yeah. can't, you can't do that. There's no evidence. And, and so speculating on how, how he is or how he feels or, or anything like that just – as Terrence Edwards said, feels wildly unfair yeah. to a 19 and 20 year old. 
so we're obviously a football show. Football fans care about how a football player impacts the football team. And this is where I have to say that Georgia has bigger concerns than Gilbert. I hope that whatever Gilbert's dealing with, I hope he's able to use football as the mechanism that it can be for life improvement because I think it's an incredible opportunity that players have. And I hope that Gilbert's one day able to take advantage of that again. And I hope that comes sooner rather than later mm-hmm. on his own behalf. But I can't pretend that I'm not very interested in how – you know, whatever Georgia is with him or without him plays out here. And I feel like we've actually been on this show pretty consistent about this. Gilbert's one of the most amazing high school players I've ever seen. I think from a physical standpoint, he's one of the most fascinating prospects I can remember talking about on this show. But we did not have Eric Gilbert as Georgia's leading receiver. We've said, him, you know, before that if someone like Darnell Washington playing a traditional tight end role, I could see that guy having more receiving yards than what I thought Gilbert had available for him this year. So while Gilbert's absence from Saturday and his continued absence from the Georgia program is a very big story in terms of of what it actually means for Georgia on the field I don't think Gilbert one way or another is the deciding factor of a game against Clemson what do you think specifically about not having Gilbert what that means for Georgia on the field yeah so I would agree with you on the Clemson point to expect him to to come in and put up a five catch hundred yard touchdown performance in that first game against Clemson when he arrived here on June 1st I thought I always thought that was a bit much to expect from him and I mean look if I I think someone who I'm trying to think of the right word here but the attention now shifts back in a way to George Pickens because Georgia needs that alpha wide receiver that alpha pass catcher to emerge and that could be Jermaine Burton could be Kiaris Jackson who again we said we're not practicing on Saturday, Marcus Rosemey, Jack Saint could surprise a lot of people. Arian Smith could further develop as a weapon. The biggest thing that Gilbert seemed to feel, to the, the need that he seemed to fill, was that he was going to be the third and eight. This is the guy we're going to throw the ball to because yeah. we just know he is physically better and more talented than the cornerback defending him. And Georgia doesn't. Georgia wasn't going to find that in that Clemson. By the time that Clemson game started. Uh, without George Pickens being out there, it's some that is a game thirteen issue. They need to find out who that person is. Come game thirteen, it could still theoretically be Eric Gilbert. It could be George Pickens as he recovers from an injury. It could be Jermaine Burton really developing in a way I think a lot of people expect him to do so this year. But again, Georgia's winning or losing the Clemson game based on how their offensive line plays, in my opinion, and conversely how Clemson's offensive line plays. So. For the Clemson game, he doesn't swing it any for me. He yeah. doesn't turn turn this from a, a, a three-point line to a, say, like a five-point line. I still think Georgia's going to have to find other ways to win. It's just what was already somewhat of a concern now becomes an even bigger season-long issue of they have to develop who that star wide receiver, star pass catcher is going to be. And a very quick follow-up to all of this, I think the story here is the fact that some people perceive Georgia as needing Gilbert so badly shows you what's really going on for Georgia wide receiver. Someone like Eric coming in, new program, new position, new offense, the idea that he would slide right in and become your supposed go-to guy just shows you how open that category is for Georgia. That's frankly not Gilbert's problem, right? I mean, no. you know, one of the reasons why I don't think Georgia should care at all what anybody is saying about it relation in relation to whatever happens to Gilbert is this was just an experiment worth trying. Maybe yeah. it works, maybe it doesn't. You need a playmaker. Gilbert's available. He is a playmaker, and this is a program that's helped players before. Maybe it can help Eric Gilbert with whatever he's you know dealing with there as well. But the, the, the story here around Gilbert is not whatever's happening with him. It's the fact that in his absence, there is no obvious playmaker who might step up in that void. Right, and as long as that 
void is still there, we're going to, you know, wonder when is it, when does Arik come back? If he comes back, what kind of role impact does he have on this team? Because there's still that need there. And with someone as immensely talented as he is, you think that's a possibility there. All right, let me bounce through here. It's our Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley. And remind you, our friends at Kroger are going to be with us for Dog Nation Invasion coming up two weeks' time when we're in Charlotte, but also doing everything they can to get you ready for the upcoming season there as well. Tailgate supplies, all the fun that is going to be going on for this upcoming season. High schools on Fridays, colleges on Saturdays, uh, the pros on Sundays, everything else. Get ready for your football weekends with our friends at Kroger. It is here and so much fun to be with Kroger for all of it, including Dog Nation Invasion in Charlotte coming up in a couple of weeks. You mentioned the Georgia offensive line a moment ago, Connor. You know, to me, it's an eye-opener that this late in the season, Warren Erickson injury, all of a sudden now you're saying Jamari Salyer, who might be your starting left tackle, probably a dominant, you know, first-round type talent at the guard position. All of a sudden now you're experimenting with him at center because of the injury to Erickson. You know, this makes my this puts butterflies in my stomach as a UGA fan that this late in the year or in in the preseason year, I mean, this late in the in the build up to the Georgia Clemson, there's still not certainty where Jamari Salyer might play, and all of a sudden now there's a third position in this discussion. Boy, that's a real big concern, at least in my eyes, for Georgia right now. You and I see this very differently at the moment. Oh, is that right? I based on the comments that Kirby Smart had made, I think he feels very confident that he's going to have Warren Erickson out there as a center okay, good. on September 4th. Good. And that's, I think, a big win for Georgia. And because I think you can look at them moving Jamari Sire to center to get first-team reps there as a way of showing, maybe Cedric Von Prahn just isn't ready for that. Which, mm-hmm. again, to expect both Tate Ratledge and Cedric Von Prahn to make their first career starts against that Clemson defensive line is a mighty big ask. So, so you understand why they would move Jamari into that role because he is someone who has experience in those type of games. This Georgia offensive line needs, and I don't think anyone would have said this at the beginning of camp, needs Warren Erickson out there mm-hmm. on that line, on that wall, yep. on September 4th. Thank you, it, Colonel Jessup. <laughs> they, he is someone who I, I think – you know, because he wasn't as highly rated as a recruit, because he didn't push for immediate playing time and sort of worked his way in, you know, got his first start at right guard, a position he could certainly play in that Clemson game. Because he wasn't this big name that I think everyone followed, you know, they were sort of just indifferent on him. But it's clear Warren Erickson plays a very important role for this Georgia team, and the Georgia coaching staff and Kirby Smart feel very, very comfortable with what Warren Erickson is able to give them as a center. And having him out there, I think, is going to make life much easier for both Jamari Sawyer and, most importantly, Tate Ratledge at that right guard position. Yeah, listen, if Erickson comes back and he's able to play, I think that's huge for Georgia. I think it's a very, very good thing because, listen, this is a guy that was treated as a solid starter during the spring. That really matters to him, and it does free up Sawyer because – as Kirby said on Saturday, no one can dispute this. Center is a very important position. You can't experiment with the center position, especially against a good defensive line. It's the engine that makes the entire offense really run. And so if you have an opening there, then you have to play a, a player uh, of Salyer's cal- caliber there because you got to have a really good center. So hopefully Erickson is back and you can move Salyer to whichever other position you want to see him working at. But you got to have that capable center. There's no doubt about that. Erickson's health taking a turn for the better would certainly be – a good thing there in that regard. 
What do you make of the other big issue right now, which is the defensive secondary? Uh, Darian Kendrick, I guess, was not spotted during the scrimmage on Saturday, uh, but he's expected back. He was just uh, apparently at a funeral, I believe is what Kirby Smart has said on that. Uh, sounds like Keely Ringo's getting a big opportunity right now. Uh, there's been a little bit of, you know, uh, Buzz Kamari Lassiter. Um, just what do you make of, you know, kind of where it is for Georgia, that cornerback spot here at the moment, very quietly, and your speed remains a big part of all of this. What do you make of that right now? I'll be very interested to, to find out who the first two corners are this coming Sunday, this coming Saturday scrimmage. Yeah. Because I, I, going into fall camp, I think we all had Darian Kendrick and Jalen Kimber as your starting cornerbacks for that first game against Clemson. And in that scrimmage, neither one of them played. Jalen Kimber dealing with the shoulder injury, which a little concerning. We're going to continue to follow up and, and, and report on that as it develops. And then Kendrick misses a, a big opportunity to, to showcase and show why he deserves to be a starter in that first game there against Clemson. So I am encouraged by sort of the continued praise that we have heard around Keely Ringo. And even if he doesn't start that Clemson game, he is absolutely going to play and play significant snaps in that game because you don't say all the things that you have said about him and then say, yeah, yeah we just doesn't have experience. That's, He's the, just too good of an athlete. That's, that's the type of game you give him experience. And if he handles it well, great. And if not, it's not like he's in some pressure role where he has to feel that he is the guy because you have guys in Kimber and Kendrick that you can turn to. Yeah, and one thing I guess I will push back on a little bit is while a lot of people may have had it being Kendrick and Kimber as the starters, while I totally acknowledge the buzz around Kimber, I wasn't quite ready to concede that mm-hmm. yet on either Emir Speed or Keely Ring. They're all going to for play. For very different reasons. They're all, they're all going to play in that game. Like It is not like I think we have seen in some years past – it's not just going to be Darian Kendrick and Jalen Kimber out there on the outsides the entire game. They're going to rotate and they're going to they're going to find and see how these guys handle this experience because this Clemson passing offense, in my opinion, is going to be the best passing offense that they see in the regular season. And so you want to give all those guys reps and, and see how they all hold up there because again, Keith Ringo, extremely talented. Amir Speed, someone who has been in this program for a long time, and there are benefits of working with Kirby Smart for that long. Darian Kendrick has played in big games. Jalen Kimber has a similarly high ceiling, and so while yes, it's concerning, like the ones in, that that Ken, Kimber and Kendrick weren't out there. I, for a while, still held the belief that all four of those guys, and you know, maybe Nyland Green and Kamari Lasseter potentially pushed there as well now. You know, yeah. Hearing what they had to say about Lasseter was very encouraging, but Georgia, in my estimation, was not going to go in there and just play two guys. Yeah, Nyland Green's another interesting name to think about in all this, too, because that's a guy that you know, I feel like didn't get as much attention during the summer as maybe he deserved, but maybe mm-hmm. it's all kind of falling into place for him maybe right now at the right time, too. Very quickly to squeeze this in before we let you go here as part of a Kroger Fresh Take here today. Dion Bowie commits Texas A&M. Bear Alexander gives you a top two of Georgia and the Aggies. Some Georgia Texas A&M stuff down the wire for the class of 2022. What do you make of where all that stands at the moment? You've seen Rambo, right? That's a movie. Have, it's a movie from your from your age range. Sure. Big first, monologue. Big monologue there at the end of the first movie. Nothing is over. Right. With recruiting in this cycle specifically for Georgia, and you can you could have said this for years past. Nothing is over. Yeah. Nothing is over because if they go out and have the season, everyone expects them to have. While you know they may have missed on a few top targets this summer, if they come out and play really well and look really good and be and are, and are cool and are getting after the passer yeah. and are making big plays in both the offense and defensive sides of the ball, you'll wonder how committed a guy like say Mike Hill Williams is to USC, right. and Dion Bowie is to to Texas A&M. That's and right. While you and I, I think, have both shared a, a healthy skepticism that. 
Bear Alexander one day ends up in Georgia red and black, they're still here. Mm-hmm. And they've still got a chance. And if things break the right, right way for Georgia, and you know maybe Nick Williams is no longer employed at Texas A&M, he finds a better job somewhere else. Maybe that all works in Georgia's favor, and they're able to finish and close with another really, really strong recruiting class. Good stuff, Connor. All the way around. Thanks for being here as part of our Kroger Fresh Take today. We'll look forward to speaking to you some more soon. Yep, as always, was a pleasure. All right, good stuff there from Connor Riley as part of a Kroger Fresh Take. We're live here at the 30th Annual Corky Kale Classic kickoff luncheon. Some of the top coaches, players from the state of Georgia, including the AJC Super 11, all on hand today as high school football gets officially going here this weekend. Big, big collection of games for the 30th Annual Corky Kale Classic starting on Wednesday. Four-star tight end Oscar Delp leading the way for West Forsyth and, of course, moving throughout the weekend, including four big games on Saturday. I should say five games in total on Saturday from Mercedes-Benz Stadium. What a great way to start the year. What a great thing for us today, of course, to be here for the kickoff lunch that gets it all started. And we here at Dog Nation, including me, getting a chance to do some play-by-play for several of the games here this weekend and throughout the year on Peachtree TV, CBS46.com, and with our friends at Score Atlanta. What a great season of high school football. It's going to be around the city of Atlanta and the state of Georgia. We are excited to be covering it all, uh, both here on Dog Nation Daily as a part of that there as well. Let me also say this. We're going to take some of your comments here for a little bit there as well on this special edition of Dog Nation Daily presented by ESOG. If you've been watching SEC Country Live every Wednesday, you hear me talk about my friends at BetUS. You know, BetUS has been doing this for more than 25 years. They're America's favorite uh, sports book and you get a chance to take advantage of some unbelievable incentives they have for new players as the new season approaches getting your action down on college and professional football really all the sporting events going on right now as we lead in to the start of the football season bet us has got all of that for you in fact when you go to betus.com when you use the promo code dn125 that's dn125 they're actually going to give you 125 percent initial deposit bonus that means you put in a hundred dollars they're going to give you 125 dollars extra to go in your account on top of that so you're essentially a winner before it even begins and if you're looking to uh, get some action down on some games here this year my friends at BetUS, great way to do that just make sure when you go to betus.com you use the promo code dn125 that's dn125 to get 125 percent of your initial deposit as a uh, big first deposit bonus and have a great time with all of that so a little bit of a different special thing for us today we're going to dive in take a few of your comments here right now. I will remind you of the story we covered yesterday. Jake Pope, three-star safety from Buford. We had our eye on his commitment uh, on Monday night. Pope did give his pledge to the Alabama Crimson Tide. So that's the latest kind of recruiting news from the state of Georgia over the course of the last 24 hours, a story that we talked about yesterday. And we'll let you now talk about pretty much whatever you want to talk about. Kind of a blended version of Dog Nation Daily presented by ESOG and our R.S. Andrews uh, cool down there as well. I will also say this. When I do the show remotely, I have a, a light that shines right in my eye. It's a little harder for me to read the comments because of that, but I will do my best to do all of that today. Um... Uh, Nature Gator, uh, thanks for the, uh, I think, the compliment. Sometimes it's hard to tell, but I appreciate the kind of words on that. I am in suit and tie today, or jacket and tie anyway, not not quite suit, but jacket and tie today. Listen, we're out here with some of the great players in the state of Georgia. You want to celebrate that by uh, looking good and trying to clean up a little bit, so that's what we're doing here today. But I appreciate those of you who've uh, noticed that. Other comments kind of rolling in there as well. Uh, Justin Fields says, uh, he, someone commenting asked Justin Fields in the YouTube comment section says, I can't believe I'm in the NFL this year. And we did see Fields the other night for Chicago Bears. You know, he had some really nice moments. And I, I know 
you know, a lot of people in Chicago are very excited about the Fields era there with the Bears. There's a lot of excitement about that right now. A lot of Georgia fans who remember him from being at UGA in 2018 also excited to see, you know, what he does there as well as he, if not representing UGA, at least represents the state of Georgia as he moves on to the NFL level. Uh, G. Grace Bama Boy over here on YouTube mixing it up as per usual. DMART42 also having some fun with the fact that I'm more dressed up today than normally. Uh, Foster Moss and the Subjavarian Smith. And I, I do think that Smith is one of those guys that for Georgia that will be heard from in a really big way this year. I don't think there's any doubt about that. That brings a lot of speed to the table. This is a guy that once he was healthy a year ago, we saw him running those deep routes and connecting at times with JT Daniels. And obviously as we continue to think about ways in which the Georgia offense can do everything that it has the potential to do, a speedster like Smith there, is certainly a weapon in that regard. And you mentioned the possibility of being also a threat in the kicking game there as well. Uh, that's certainly a, a true thing there too. Groon D, who's one of our resident YouTube trolls, says, I actually wish for the dogs to win a national championship so all the delusional UGA fans can finally get a break, but things don't seem to be coming together. Yeah, Groon, listen, if you're a UGA hater, I wouldn't put too much stock in the idea that George has had a couple setbacks right now. As we said on yesterday's show, we like Gilbert. We're huge fans of his, and we want Eric to get a chance to play here for UGA. He's fun to watch, but in terms of what that does to George's championship chances one way or another, I don't think that Gilbert was necessarily the missing piece, nor do I think that if he's not there uh, for even a portion of the season, that he's somehow the the missing ingredient that, that, that keeps all that from taking place. I think that's wishful thinking on the part of a would-be UGA troll on that. Georgia on my mind, giving me uh, some compliments. I appreciate that. Uh, Foster Moss, also on the subject of Amir Speed. Listen, I'm a, I'm a believer in Amir Speed in this competition to be a starting cornerback for UGA. I think Speed's going to have a chance to emerge there, and he's obviously competing against you know big-time prospects. If you kind of assume Darian Kendrick in this for a moment, a guy that started a lot of Clemson, think about guys that have been here for UGA. Jalen Kemper currently banged up, but a former elite prospect when he came in. Keely Ringo was a former five-star. So the guys in which Speed is competing with are big-time talents you know big time guys to to be very wary of but i think this the the experience that speed that, that speed brings into this conversation i think it really matters plus because we haven't seen as much of amir speed here's the one thing that i think some people aren't quite maybe as aware of as they should be amir speed has got a lot of size i mean he's a tall guy right if you see him walking around the sideline it's a good looking young man this isn't this is not a you know a short undersized cornerback this is a guy who in addition to having been here on this program since 2017 is also a tall guy who in the sec that matters you know to be able to go up and win those one-on-one battles you know high pointing a football eric amir speed's got a chance to do that for you and that's another reason why i think either as a starter or as a you know key backup i believe that amir speed's going to be playing a lot for georgia at the uh, cornerback position let's get some more facebook comments here for a moment there as well and hope everybody's doing great on the program here today um, Tree reaches out on YouTube, to, I should say on Facebook, to say on offensive line play will determine our future. Our tight ends, running backs, number two receivers can carry us through the season. And it, what Tree brings up here actually goes back to something that Connor Riley talked about in his Kroger Fresh Tag. And I thought there was actually a really good point from Connor a little earlier that if you think about 22 personnel, it's kind of a football phrase of having two backs in the game, two tight ends in the game. For Georgia, understanding the depth of both those positions and understanding that while there's a long list of guys that could break out for Georgia, the wide receiver 
position, the number of guys that you can say with certainty the kinds of season they're going to have, you may have less of that at receiver than you have at tight end or running back, that Georgia maybe as much as anybody else has some real motivation this year to play two backs, two tight ends on the field together. We see a lot of two tight end sets from Georgia. We don't frequently see a lot of two back sets. That's not something that Georgia has done as much of. But there are reasons to think this year they may have a very good reason to do that. And I know what some of you are going to say in response that of, oh, B.A., I don't want that conservative brand of football. Here's the one thing if you're watching NFL Sundays, you understand. Two backs, two tight ends doesn't have to be conservative. You know, that doesn't have to be three yards in a cloud of dust. There are very smart teams in the NFL that use that formation to throw out of all the time, and you can create some good mismatches that way, especially given the fact that Georgia just has so much strength at both those positions. If, you, if you're joining us here late on video, you missed that from Connor a little earlier. I'll invite you to check that out because I thought overall that was a, a pretty good point on that. We'll take a few more comments here there as well. Uh, Shelton Tucker on the subject... Um, of Clemson coming up on September 4th. He obviously that game already drawing a lot of interest. A lot of folks really thinking about that. Calvin Sanders, a big believer in Kendall Milton, and there's reason to be a believer in Milton. Milton brings a, a lot to the table for, for UGA, and it's what we said before about the fact that what's really true for George is not settling on one back between Milton and Kenny McIntosh, who reports were, had some nice moments at the scrimmage of the day. Obviously, the experienced players like James Cook and, and, and Zamir White. It's not about tabbing one of those guys. It's about finding a tandem of those guys you can lean on. And as Connor Riley mentioned before, in some cases, leaning on both those guys on the field maybe at the same time, especially someone like James Cook, who's a versatile weapon that you can throw to. The truth is, you know, Kenny McIntosh is also that kind of guy there as well. We actually saw all of the Georgia running backs be weapons in the past game going back to G-Day. That could be a little bit of a precursor for what we see in the actual season there as well. Sometimes G-Day not always the most predictive what the actual season is going to look like. But in that particular case, maybe that kind of was. I'll take one or two more comments here. I'll also remind you that uh, Classic City Lager, a great way to get going for the upcoming season. It's just good cold beer, right? I mean, it's just nice and simple. It's a lager-style beer, which means it's lighter color and easier to drink, but no sacrifice in flavor. Still good, crisp flavor when it goes with all of that. Plus, it's available year-round, six- and 12-pack cans, Wherever you're doing your shopping, you can find some classic city lager from our friends at Creature Comforts Brewing Company. It's a great taste of the city of Athens, but you don't have to be in Athens to enjoy it. Classic city lager. Make sure you check that out today. It is just good cold beer from our friends at Creature Comforts Brewing Company. All right, a couple of more comments here or there for a moment as well. Back over here on YouTube. Uh, Frank Patterson says he came to the show late, didn't want another dose of uh, the Eric Gilbert saga, LOL. Now, Frank, we haven't been talking Gilbert the entire time. I, I told you you didn't have to worry about that. Um, let's see what else. Brady Pass Management <laughs> on the subject of the Florida Gators. Always good to see our buddy Matt in the comment section. Very funny stuff there. Uh, let's see what else is going on. Down South Georgia Dog says Georgia has arguably the best team in college football, but it's going to come down to if the coaching staff can put our players in the best position to execute plays. That's right. I mean, that's definitely true that part of the story is, and the most important part of the story, I believe, 
is acquiring the kind of talent that gives you a chance to win a championship. But ultimately, how you develop and deploy that talent then matters next beyond that. And that's obviously what uh, George is trying to do uh, right now, is to take the elite talent, the kind of talent that most of the country is truly envious of, and figure out a way to scheme it up so that that talent is put in a position to succeed on the field. I think that's a, a great way to say all of that and a great way to finish our conversation here today. Let me uh, give a shout-out to our Gator Hater Countdown. We'll get back to doing a golden shoe again tomorrow when we're back in the uh, studio. But for now, let me give you a Gator Hater Countdown. Just 74 days from now, Georgia goes back to Jacksonville against those lousy, stinking Gators that our buddy uh, Breda Pest Management was talking about a moment ago. Get a win against those Gators and get some celebration and making that cocktail party feel the way that it's supposed to feel again. Can't wait for all of that. Fun to think about that one on down the line here for UGA. Thanks for being with us on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. We will look forward to seeing all of you back here again tomorrow. And on video and the podcast, we're going to do a very, very short version of our R.S. Andrews cooldown. We just took a good bit of comments. We'll take a lot more tomorrow. We're back in the studio. But I just want to say a big thanks to R.S. Andrews for being a part of what we do here each and every day. Make sure you check them out online, rsandrews.com, for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. A lot of you worried right now about you know electricity that may go out. You think about because we got some storms in the area. You think about electrical issues that may be ongoing and linger even beyond this. R.S. Andrews can take care of those for you. Your plumbing issues there as well. Water heater goes out. In many cases, R.S. Andrews can replace it for you the same day. You just need to find them online at rsandrews.com. They'll do great work for you on all of that. I know it's sometimes a little bit different show when we're on the road, so we appreciate you uh, tolerating the slightly different broadcast, but hope you enjoyed Peter Burns. Hope you enjoyed good stuff from our friend Connor Riley, and hope you're as excited as we are about the kickoff to the high school football season, which gets going starting on Wednesday and then continuing throughout the weekend with the 30th annual Corky Kell Classic. And, of course, every week after that on throughout the fall we're excited here at dog nation to be a part of it i personally am excited to be doing play-by-play uh, for many of these games including several here this weekend there as well we'll be telling you more about that in the days ahead so let's all get settled in for a fun fall football is here we think at the college level the dog is going to be a big part of that and on the high school level plenty of names worth watching that will have Georgia fans' attention peaked come National Signing Day there as well. We'll cover it all for you here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, and here after the program on our R.S. Andrews cooldown on both podcast and video. Y'all have a great day. We'll see you back here tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., for Dog Nation Daily, presented by ESOG.